Chapter ninety two of Thomas Wingfold Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Thomas Wingfold Curate by George MacDonald. Chapter ninety two The Sunset. How the terrible time terrible for its very dullness and insensibility passed until it brought the funeral helen could not have told it seemed to her as she looked back upon it a bare blank yet was the blank full of a waste weariness of heart the days were all one outside and inside her heart was but a lonely narrow bay to the sea of cold immovable fog that filled the world no one tried to help no one indeed knew her trouble every one took it for grief at the loss of her brother while to herself it was the oppression of a life that had not even the interest of pain the curate had of course called to inquire after her but had not been invited to enter george had been everywhere with help but had no word to speak the day of the funeral came in a thin fog and dull cold the few friends gathered the body was borne to the abbey the curate received it at the gate in the name of the church which takes our children in its arms and our bodies into its garden save indeed where her gardener is some foolish priest who knows not the heart of his mother and will pick and choose among her dead the lovely words of the last first of the apostles were read and earth was given back to earth to mingle with the rest of the stuff the great workman works withal cold was helen's heart cold her body cold her very being the earth the air the mist the very light was cold the past was cold the future yet colder she would have grudged leopold his lonely rest in the grave but that she had not feeling enough even for that her life seemed withering away from her like an autumn flower in the frosts of winter and she as if she had been but a flower did not seem to care what was life worth when it had not strength to desire even its own continuance heartless she returned from the grave careless of george's mute attentions not even scornful of her aunt's shallow wail over the uncertainty of life and all things human so indifferent to the whole misery that she walked straight up to the room hers once more from which the body had just been carried and which for so many many weary weeks had been the centre of loving pain sometimes agony once more she was at peace but what a peace she took off her cloak and bonnet laid them on the bed went to the window sat down and gazed hardly seen out on the cold garden with its sodden earth its leafless shrubs and perennial trees of darkness and mourning the meadow lay beyond and there she did see the red cow busily feeding and was half angry with her beyond the meadow stood the trees with the park behind them and yet further behind lay the hollow with the awful house in its bosom its dismal haunted lake and its ruined garden 
but nothing moved her. She could have walked over every room in that house without a single quaver of precordia. Poldy was dead, but was it not well? Even if he had not been in trouble, what should his death matter? She would die soon herself and forever. What did that or anything else matter? Might she but keep this dullness of spirit and never more wake to weep foolish tears over an existence the whole upstanding broad-based fact of which was not worth one drop in the rivers of weeping that had been flowing ever since the joyless birth of this unconceived, ill-fated, unfathered world? To the hour of death belonged jubilation and not mourning. The hour of birth was the hour of sorrow. Back to the darkness was the cry of a life whose very being was an injury only there was no one to have done the injury thus she sat until she was summoned to dinner early for the sake of the friends whose home lay at a distance she ate and drank and took her share in the talk as matter of course believing all at the table would judge her a heartless creature and careless of what they might think or say but they judged her more kindly and more truly than she judged herself. They saw through her eyes the deeps whose upward ducts were choked with the frost of an unknown despair. No sooner was she at liberty than again she sought her room, not consciously from love to her brother who had died there, but because the deadness of her heart chose a fitting loneliness, and again she seated herself at the window. The dreary day was drawing to a close, and the night, drearier it could not be, was at hand. The gray had grown darker, and she sat like one waiting for the night, like a monster coming to claim its own and swallow her up. Something, was it an invasion of reviving light, caused her to lift her eyes. Away, sideways from her window, in the west, the mist had cleared a little, somewhere about the sun thinner and thinner it grew no sun came forth it was already down but a canopy of faint amber grew visible stretched above his tomb it was the stuff of which sad smiles are made not a thing that belonged to gladness but only he who has lost his sorrow without regaining his joy can tell how near sorrow lieth to joy. Who that has known the dull paths of listless no-feeling would not have his sorrow back with all its attendant agonies? The pale amber spread, dilute with light, and beneath it lay the gray of the fog, and above it the dark blue of cloud, not of sky. The soul of it was so still, so resigned, so sad, so forsaken, that she who had thought her heart gone from her suddenly felt its swells were filling, and soon they overflow. And she wept. At what? A color in the sky. Was there then a god that knew sadness? And was that a banner of grief he flung forth to comfort the sorrowful with sympathy? Or was it but a godless color which the heart varnished with its own grief? Or if the human heart came from nothing and was sad, why might not the aspects of nature come from nothing and be sad too, wrought in harmony with the unutterable woe of humanity? 
then either is man the constructive center of the world and its meanings are but his own face looking back upon him from the mirror of his own projected atmosphere and comfort there is none or he is not the center of the world which yet carries in its forms and colors the aspects of his mind and then horror of horrors is man the one conscious point and object of a vast derision in sentient nature grinning at sentient man rose or saffron his sky but mocks and makes mows at him while he himself is the worst mockery of all being at once that which mocks and that which not only is mocked but writhes in agony under the mockery such as bascom reply that they find it not so i answer for the best of reasons that it is not so helen's doubts did not stay her weeping as doubt generally does for the sky with its sweet sadness was before her and deep in her heart a lake of tears which now that it had begun to flow would not be stayed she knew not why she wept knew not that it was the sympathy of that pale amber of sad resignation which brought her relief but she wept and wept until her heart began to stir and her tears came cooler and freer oh poldy my own poldy she cried at length and fell upon her knees not to worship the sky not to pray to poldy or even for poldy not indeed to pray at all so far as she knew yet i doubt if it was merely and only from the impulse of the old childish habit of saying prayers but in a moment she grew restless there was no poldy she rose and walked about the room and he came back to her soul her desolate brother clothed alas in the rags and tatters of all the unkind and unjust thoughts she had ever had concerning him and wearing on his face the reflection of her worst deeds she had stood between him and the only poor remnant of peace consolation and hope that it was possible he should have and it was through the friends whom she had treated with such distance and uncordiality that he did receive it then out rushed from the chamber of her memory the vision of the small dark nervous wild-looking indian boy who gazed at her but for one questioning moment then shot into her arms and nestled in her bosom how had she justified that faith she had received and sheltered and shielded him doubtless and would have done so with her life yet when it came to the test she had loved herself better than him and would have doomed him to agony rather than herself to disgrace oh poldy poldy but he could not hear never for ever should she utter him word of sorrow or repentance never beg his forgiveness or let him know that now she knew better and had risen above such weakness and selfishness she stopped and looked sadly from the window the sky was cloudless overhead, and the amber pall was fainter and clearer over the tomb of the sun. She turned hastily to the bed where lay her cloak and bonnet, put them on with trembling hands, and went out by the same window into the garden. She could not help a shudder as she stood in the dark passage, unlocking the door in the sunk fence, 
but the next minute she was crossing the meadow through the cold frosty twilight air now clear of its fog and seeming somehow to comfort uplift and strengthen her the red cow was still feeding there she stopped and talked to her a little she seemed one of poldy's friends and poldy had come back to her heart if he might never more to her arms and she was now on her way to one of her best friends whom as more worthy he had loved even better than her and whom she had not honoured as they deserved or as he must have desired to get near them would be to get nearer to poldy at least she would be with those whom he had loved and who she did not doubt still loved him believing him still alive she could not go to the curate but she could go to the polworths no one would blame her for that except indeed george but even george should not come between her and what mere show of communion with poldy was left her she would keep her freedom would rather break with george than lose an atom of her liberty she would be no clay for his hands to mould after his pleasure she opened the door in the fence and entered the park seeming to recover strength with every step she took towards poldy's friends it was almost dark when she stood at the lodge door and knocked End of chapter ninety two